Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. This morning, the uh, reading will be out of Psalm 12, verse 1 through 8. That'll be on page 422, if you're following along. My name is Matt Davenport. My wife, Kristen, and I have been attending the Door Church for a year and a half, two years, somewhere around there. Decided to become members a few months ago, so we're slowly making progress, being a little bit more involved. Uh, Again, it's Psalm 12, verses 1 through 8. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord's are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. This is God's word. E to God. Good morning. My name is Mark McPherson. I'm over student ministry here at the Door Church. Privileged to be on our preaching team. Uh, We're continuing in our sermon series, The Poems of Praise, as we are walking through the Psalter, the book of Psalms. And uh, I just want to tell you this morning, I just got back from Beach Retreat, and uh, we had a fun time. We saw amazing things happen, and God moved in a mighty way. And um, I came home, and I had rest, and I got to see my wife, and I got to see my family. Um, but spiritually, I feel, I feel weak. Um, I feel very weak this morning. Um, but in our weakness is when his power is made perfect. And so I just want to pray before I, I jump into this sermon. Will you pray with me? Father, you are good, and we trust you at this time, that you would meet us in the midst. Father, I pray that the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Father, I pray that by your spirit, you would convict us, you would conform us, and you would comfort us by your son. We know that the grass will wither, the flower will fall, but your word is eternal, I pray you speak to us through it. We thank you in advance and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our sermon title this morning is Pure Words. Pure Words. The Lord saves. The Lord silences. The Lord speaks and the Lord secures. The Lord saves, silences, speaks and secures. Uh, When I was 25, it's the first time the word of the Lord came off of this page and spoke to my heart in a way that I've never experienced before. When I was 15, I felt like it was the first time God spoke to me and put an impression on my heart as I read through Psalm 4. And he didn't, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't respond to him speaking to me when I was 15, but when I was 
25, 10 years later, I was reading through this book, and this book spoke to me. It came alive. It jumped off the page. I was trying to read through the whole Bible, and as I got to Revelation 3, I was almost done. The Lord just jumped off of this page and spoke to me. He says, Mark, you're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold, meaning that I wish you were useful. I wish you were off the sidelines. I wish your heart really did cry out for me. I wish you really lived for me, but you're lukewarm. It was that night. I'll never forget. It was November 17th. And I'll never forget it too because my knees were on hardwood floor. They were hurting. And I was crying and there was a puddle on that floor. And then before I could even confess my sins, before I can say, God, make me a servant in your household, he covered me with his grace. And I felt his presence and his, his spirit wrapped me up, put a robe on me. And it was that day I was, I was born again. I was baptized by the Holy Spirit and baptized by fire. Do you know that your words, your words have the ability to show what your heart is, that your words have the ability to show whether you are living for him, if you're on fire for him. And with your words and with your heart, have you confessed that he is Lord is he your Lord this morning? As we look at David's words this morning, the word of the Lord through David, he cries out in verse 1, Save, O Lord, save. David is looking out at his people, and he has a cry of lament as he sees the words of his people dishonor God, as he looks out at his culture, as he looks out at the city of Jerusalem, as he looks out at God's holy people, he sees that their words are dishonoring God, and he simply says, save. He doesn't say, save me. And he doesn't say, save the people who really love you. And he doesn't say, save my country, God. What he says is, save. God, save. I spent a week with 55 kids and I just cried out, God, save. Won't you just save these people? Do you lament for the people? Do you lament for the people who are different than you, who sin differently than you? The groups in our world, the people and the movements in our world that are spreading lies, the, the people who you think are them, the people who, who are, whether you don't like liberals or conservatives, it doesn't matter. Are you, are you lamenting for people? Because the great common denominator is we're all sinners and we're all broken and we see it on every side. But my question is, do you identify with them? Do you say, Lord, save for all people? It's so easy to look at our culture and say what David says, that the godly one is gone. The faithful have vanished. And as our culture turns its back on God, David does something that is so powerful, is that before he goes with his legislation, he goes before the king. Before he goes with his politics, he starts with his prayer. David laments for the people. David comes boldly before the throne before he can make any change in the culture he longs for evangelism. 
Lord, save, because you're good to do it. And David identifies with the people who are sinners and broken because he knows he is one too. And he confesses the sins of the people in verse 2. He says, everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. These lies are lies of, of flattery. These are lies that are affirming lies. They're affirming the lie of our culture, which is follow your truth. He's, he's confronting these people saying, this is the sin of our culture. We have flattering lips. We have smooth talkers who want people to feel good. And then he says they are double-hearted, that there are people who have the truth and people who want to speak the truth to our culture, but that truth does not come with love. And so it's only condemnation. People who stand on good values but don't stand with a heart that brings Jesus and the love to other peoples. It's the truth that brings condemnation to our, father, our fellow brothers and sisters. It's a judgmental heart. It's a double heart. It, it, it sounds like really good truth, but it comes off as judgment and condemnation. That our words have that ability to bring fire. The Bible says in James that it's like a small fire. It's a small fire, our tongues, our words, our heart, our small fire that can set a whole forest ablaze. And David chooses not to fight fire with fire, but he chooses to bring his petition to the Lord because it's according to the Lord's steadfast love and his mercy and his grace that men are saved not through David's arguments, not through David's works, not through David's politics, but through the Lord and what he does because he alone saves. And the Lord alone silences. He silences in verse 3 and 4. David starts to call out for justice as he prays in verse 3. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts, those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us. And David calls for them to be cut off, to be separated from God's people. And not only is he asking for justice in this world, but he's asking for eternal justice. He's asking for an eternal judgment. He says, may they be cut off from the Lord. Let them face their sin Will the Lord silence the tongues of those who claim him in vain and those who don't and speak lies with flattering lips? Those with double hearts. May the word of the Lord silence those with the double hearts. As we see this text, it's so explained to us on the other side of the cross by the brother of Christ, James. James says of those with double hearts in James 3, verse 9, with it, that is our tongues and our hearts, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God, that we can claim an almighty God, but as we curse people made in his image, we too are double-hearted. James would go on to echo this thought and say, you are a double-minded people. The Lord would silence us by his word because we are double-hearted and double-minded as we lift his name up and yet curse those made in his image. The Lord silenced those who make great boasts. 
Again, James echoes and explains on the other side of the cross in James 4, verses 14 through 16. He says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. That as we become people who boast about the things that we have control of and we have power over and we're trying to live our lives for our kingdom, we become people who claim Almighty God and yet we live in adultery with our own kingdom. James and the Lord would go on to say that we are an adulterous people who flirt with our kingdom The word of the Lord silences those who say, who is master over us? Who is master over us in verse 4? James 5, verses 3 through 5 says this, Your gold and silver have corroded. Because gold and silver are so valuable, they're, 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 they're timeless metals. But he says this, in eternal judgment, your gold and silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you. And you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence, and you have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. The Lord and James would go on to say that these people are condemned, and they are murderers. The lie in our hearts that we believe, the lie in our hearts that we believe, that we hold tight to, is going to expose ourselves through our words as we expose through our very words that we are double-hearted people to praise the Lord with our tongues and yet curse others made in his likeness. The lie in our hearts that we believe and hold on to is going to expose us through our words to show that we are an adulterous people who flirt with our kingdoms and our prosperity. The word, the lie in our hearts that we hold on to and believe to is that we are luxurious, that we are a powerful people, and it's going to expose us and show us that we're murderers, that we carry out injustice, that no matter whether it be you're climbing a, a social ladder of status or you're climbing that ladder in the corporate world, no matter what ladder you're trying to climb in whatever situation that you're trying to earn favor in people's eyes, be accepted, have that next promotion, have that better vacation, whatever it is, whatever ladder you're climbing, you're stepping on others to do it. That you might boast yourself up and we stand on others to prop up our kingdoms. What do your words say this morning? Are your words a beautiful fire that sits in a fireplace that's to be respected and brings comfort to those around you? Or are your words only bringing ash and destruction? The word of the Lord silences us. It silences the flame of our destruction. 
And only in our silence can we begin to hear the, stall, the small, still voice of the Lord speak. The Lord speaks in verses 5 through 6. And this is the first time we see an answering oracle from the Lord that, that God actually jumps into the mouth of David and says, write these words. He says from himself, because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in safety for which he longs. That when the Lord sees the poor plundered and the needy groan, he stands from his holy throne. And he speaks. The king of the universe stands from a holy throne. The same king who spoke the world into creation now stands and proclaims and speaks. I will bring him in safety for which he longs. He goes and speaks salvation to the poor. To those who begin to understand that in ourselves we are the double-hearted. We are those who say who is master over us. We have great boasts. And as we begin to see the wickedness of our heart, we begin to understand there's nothing we can give to an almighty God. There's nothing he needs from us. And so we are poor in spirit. Nothing I can do can earn his favor, and nothing I can do can earn and I can give to him as a delight. There's nothing I can do. When you begin to see the wickedness of your heart, when you begin to understand the brokenness within, the darkness within, that you that you would groan and you would mourn your sin. When that is you, the Lord stands and he speaks over you. He sees the cries. Of the broken. And when he does, David responds in verse 6 and he says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times, that the word of the Lord to bring salvation is not like a silver that, that corrodes, but it's a silver, it's a, it's, a, it's a precious gift from God that is eternal and will never go away. When the Lord speaks over us, he speaks only, only him alone. He speaks in perfect perfect love and truth. That when he speaks over us through his word, he speaks to us with a loving heart, with a gracious heart, and with the truth that corrects and convicts. He speaks with pure honesty, and he speaks with pure integrity. And as we speak with flattering lips, the Lord is always good to speak in true Love And as we speak with double hearts, only the Lord's truth is the truth that will set men free. The word of the Lord that he speaks moves out into the world in spirit and truth, in love and truth. And the word of the Lord moved. It moved into the world to bring salvation. The word came to us. John 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This morning, he wants to speak to you through this word. He wants these words to come off this page and speak to you. Jesus wants to meet you here. I sat on that hardwood floor, and I watched him speak to me through this word. More real than I've ever heard any other voice right from this book 
He came alive and he spoke to me. In Revelation 3, he said these words to me. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you either be cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and to salve, to anoint your eyes so that you may see those who I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him. And that truth spoke to me right where I needed it. And it cut me to the heart. And it exposed me. But it didn't leave me condemned. And it didn't leave me less than. But it met me with grace and love. And he melted my heart. And he came into my heart. And he made a table for me to eat with, eat with him. Where his body was broken and his blood was spilt. As we look out, we might see our culture and think the godly one is gone. His word says that the godly one has come. As we look out in our world and we might think that the faithful have vanished. The faithful appeared in Christ Jesus on the cross that the word of the Lord became flesh and he went to that cross. And what happens on that cross when he dies in my place is that the word of the Lord, as he cries out to the Father saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the word himself speaks, he receives the silent treatment that I deserve. He receives the judgment for the sin that I deserve. He receives it all on himself. All of my wickedness, all of my eight billion failures are poured out on him. And on that cross, the pure word of God was defiled. That all of his good works, every good thing he's ever done, can be poured out on me. And his righteousness would cover us. That he might... Eat with me and I with him. That before we could speak, he clothes you in his perfect righteousness. It's the power of our words. The power of our words. Jesus says in Matthew 10, verses 32 through 33, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. See, when I was just a young guy, I was on my knees, and he met me. And when he met me, as I cried on my mother's floor, and there was tears pouring, before I could say, make me a servant, he covered me in his righteousness. He put the ring on me that said, I'm his son, and he put the sandals on my feet that says, you're welcome in my home. You walk with me in peace. And before I could even confess, he con confessed me, he professed me to the Father. 
when the Spirit of God changes your life, he lights a fire in you. And that fire is to be put on a lamp. It's to be put on a stand. No one lights a flame and puts it under a bowl. But they put it on a stand that it might light up the house. And so too with us, if the, if the Lord has saved you from yourself, you are a light in darkness. You're a light that is secured. The Lord secures in verse 7 and 8. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. The saving work of the Savior is that he secures us for all time. To be hidden in Christ is to know that he keeps us and he guards us forever. Just as a flame is tossed back and forth by the winds, as we are tossed back and forth by the evilness of our culture, and we see things that try to stuff out our flame, we know that the Father, like a, like a, like a gentle flame, puts his hands around us and keeps us secure. And even as we see the wicked prowl and the vileness that is exalted, we can rest and know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself, and he speaks in both love and truth. And before we come to a culture, before we come to a world with condemning words, we, like David, can come in prayer knowing that he's called us to be his representatives in light and darkness. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, he says, But you are a chosen race, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, that you may speak, you may boast in him who his excellencies have called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And if he's calling you out of darkness this morning, or if he's called you out of darkness before, to show you his mercy, the great I am who says, I am the light of the world, says you are a light of the world. You are a city on the hill that cannot be hidden. And he's calling you to shed your light in darkness. That we might look out on our culture and speak for justice, and we might say the words of David. Instead of saying, may the Lord cut off, we say, Lord, remind us that Jesus was cut off so that we could be brought in. Remind us that the pure word was defiled, that we might speak pure words to darkness. Remind us of what Jesus did for us so that we can look out to people and say, save, oh Lord, save. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that you speak. I thank you for sending the word himself, that Christ came on our behalf to take our, def our defileness. He took our wickedness. He took our darkness, that we might walk in the light of life. May us be hidden in his light and in his glory, and let us move out into the world with hearts that identify with the broken, with the least of these, with those who speak lies, with those who are against you. Let us identify with them. Let us speak your pure words to them in spirit and truth, in truth and love. And let Jesus come through. Let his saving work be the only boast of our hearts, the only boast of our lives. We pray that you do this work in us as we praise your name. And it's only in your name that we pray and do we, do we, do we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.